Hello everyone. I'm sitting here with three, probably the more nervous uh, people that I've ever met, totally out of our comfort zone, because none of us have ever done a podcast before. But we are the pastoral team here, the sort of core pastoral team here at, at Wellington College. And we wanted uh, the opportunity just to uh, speak to the whole community, to let them know a little bit about who we are and some of our thoughts. We've also gone out to various pupils who have given us some questions that they'd like answering. So um, hopefully there'll be one or two things along the way that might be interesting or useful for you to hear. Uh, but first of all, I think it might be nice for you to know who we are. So my name's Mr Walker. You may have come across me in the physics department where I teach a little bit. You might have come across me in the Hopeton where I'm an upper sixth tutor. You might have come across me on the football pitch where I do a little bit of coaching with, with the college seconds. Or you might have seen me as I've gone around houses um, with one or two others this year coming to speak to you in house uh, assemblies. I look after the, um, the houses, uh, the health centre and the counselling team and uh, my job here is, is called Deputy Pastoral. It also means I do a little bit to do with the, um, the Covid response as well. But just um, going round the table here, I'm going to pass over to Tracy who is next to me. Hello, my name's Tracy Coles. I'm the nurse manager at the health centre. I'm fairly new to Wellington, although Mr Walker might argue otherwise, but it's been about seven months now. I've got about 19 years worth of experience working with the NHS on a general paediatric ward and I've come across lots of different disciplines of nursing and, and medical bits and pieces ranging from all kinds of things from your general um, accident and emergency type stuff through to mental health illnesses and eating disorders and things like that. I've got a lovely team within the health centre so I'm managing about eight eight or nine nurses at the moment and hoping to recruit further. Um, they are a lovely team, very welcoming and we're at the, in, based in the health centre down by near the shop, which is called Grubby's, I believe. And you can come down any time you like. Thank you, Tracy. You're welcome. That was quite good. You didn't seem nervous at all there, Tracy. You did, did very well. Going around, um, who's next? Hi, uh, I'm Mrs Lynch. So many of you will know me as the designated safeguarding lead at Wellington. Um, so I've been at Wellington for quite a long time now. I came uh, in 2007 when we'd just gone co-ed and I was the first female housemistress of the Cumbermere when we took girls in. So it was a really exciting time um, back then for the college. I've been on the senior leadership team at Wellington since 2010 when I was deputy head pastoral and then latterly have just moved into that safeguarding role so that we can think uh, really strategically about what we do to keep you safe, do all of the staff training, uh, lots of lots of one-to-one -one conversations and just look at a variety of different aspects of safeguarding, which I'm really passionate about because I think that putting students at the centre of every decision that we make um, as teachers and adults is, is the most important thing. What else do I do? I teach biology. Also used to be head of running here, so I do lots of running and I still really enjoy doing that to keep myself fit and for my own well-being as well. But I think that's everything from me. Brilliant. Thank you. And last but very much not least, Jenny. Hello, I'm Jenny. I'm Jenny Griggs and I am the Head of Student Emotional Health and Wellbeing here at Wellington. I'm even newer than Tracy. I can properly say I'm new. So I've been here since October time and I work very closely with all of the pastoral team. So Mr Walker, Mrs Lynch, the health centre, the counselling team, 
and others to make sure that students that might be struggling with their mental health have got access to the best support that we can get from them, whether that's from in college or from outside of college. Um, and my background is as a clinical psychologist, so I've spent 12 years working in child and adolescent mental health services in the NHS and then six years in my own practice and working for the University of Reading and delivering therapy to children and young people struggling with anxiety, depression, eating disorders, all kinds of different mental health difficulties. And I'm here at Wellington for a new challenge. Brilliant. Thank you. So, um, as I say, we've got a few questions that people have posed for us. So we're going to start with a question and then the format's going to be that we will um, try and answer the questions best we can. And then we're going to have a musical interlude and um, each of us have chosen a song that um, I guess is probably sort of loosely linked to this area, a song that we like and we'll just introduce it and then there'll be a, a musical interlude and then we'll do uh, another question. So the first question which we were asked was where people can find help. And I think I'm going to go to you, Mrs Lynch, first of all, for this one, because as you say, you've been here... Well, not quite the longest. I think I joined before you at Wellington. I was oh, but you've been away six. on a holiday. You've been away but on a break, I, you see. I did have a three-year sabbatical mm. from Wellington. So maybe you've done a lot more years than me. So if we come to you, where if you're, if you're a student and you're struggling or your friend is struggling, where can you go at Wellington to find help? Before I answer that question, I think it's just really important to recognise that there is no right or wrong. Um, I think... Every individual will have somebody who they'll hopefully be able to go to and it's about finding that right person. So if you're a student here, there could be an older student that you might feel really comfortable going to. So perhaps one of the older students in the house, um, somebody who's been trained in mental health. So, for example, one of the mental health ambassadors. But you've also got your prefects and your heads of houses too and obviously your friends. And we did a, a survey back in October and most of the students at Wellington said that they would be most comfortable actually talking to their friend um, about an issue. Um, and I think what's really important within that is to recognise that individuals know then what they can do with that information. Because what we don't want to happen is friends sitting with information that makes them feel really uncomfortable and maybe even anxious about that information that they've got. So that's my, my checking point is always if something's sitting really uncomfortably on your shoulders, that's when you need to seek some advice. Um, and you can seek that advice by even have what I call a no-names conversation. So maybe even um, just reaching out to an adult to say, this is the scenario, what would you do about it? And I think that can really help when people just clarify what, what they could do next. With it, adults in, this, in the college, we've obviously got in-houses, you've got your, your tutor and your HM and your matron, all of whom have done the mental health first aid courses. So they've got lots of knowledge and also a huge amount of experience in dealing with young people as well. And then more widely within the college, we've got um, lots of staff have been trained in mental health first aid. So if, even if you just feel really comfortable talking to your English teacher or your French teacher, whoever it might be, if you feel that you've got a real affinity to somebody, just opening up to them um, and just explaining what's going on for you, can be brilliant another group of individuals who often listen to our students are the music teachers so if some of you play musical instruments um, you see that same person uh, week by week and you might develop a really strong relationship with them and it could be something that you just want to have a chat to somebody about and just get some advice so again it's about who you feel comfortable with 
widely. Um, obviously, the pastoral team are, are just really important as well to, to recognise who we've got here. So within, obviously, you've got the four of us who you're listening to at the moment. Uh, within the safeguarding team, we've also got Mrs Goves and Mr Venables. And obviously, within Health Centre, you've got Tracy and all of the nurses and the Health Centre staff down there. Um, and we've got the counselling team as well. So uh, you can email the counsellors at their email address uh, to get some confidential support and advice from them as well. So there's a huge range of people. And I just say there's, actually, there's just somebody out there for everyone. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were saying that the most important thing and the hardest thing is making the first step. Um, and once you've made that first step to talk to somebody then it becomes a little bit easier and sharing that burden can just be the, the help and, and support that you might need. I'm sure my colleagues around here will probably have more to add to that. Yeah, thank you. Though. That's really, really useful. And uh, I mean, a lot of the people you've talked about, and I know the, the councillors and, and, and the health centre will, will probably fall into this category as well. They're really busy people. I mean, are they likely, do you think, to sort of turn around and say, oh, no, I'm too busy to, to talk to you or won't won't give you that time I and mean, what would that look like Tracy in the in the health centre you know if if someone comes along and wants to talk to someone in the health centre even during a busy time what would happen so the nurses at the health centre will always make the time for the student and give them what they need um, we have several rooms within the health centre that we can retreat to so if it needs to be confidential and you want to go somewhere else we can go into a different room um, and it's not like an any department or a doctor's appointment where you've got 10 minutes or you have to be seen within a certain amount of time. You'll be given the, the, the time that you need and then you're more than welcome to stay with us for a cup of coffee or tea or hot chocolate to have a little think about it afterwards. Um, yeah, and we'll give, we'll give you what you want. Including hot chocolate and, and a biscuit? And maybe a biscuit. And if you're really lucky, there might be some crisps. <laughs> wow. Um, we're, we're, we're recording this on soup day. Um, so uh, I, if you want a tip from the top on a soup day, if you want a, a, a little top up of uh, calories on the, uh, in the afternoon, then, um, then do go down for a biscuit. What about the councillors, Jenny? I mean, you work very closely with them. Uh, is, it, is, is there a six month waiting list here? Will you, you know, is there going to be a real problem being seen? No, there's not a six-month waiting list here. There might be a little bit of a wait for counselling sometimes because obviously there's a lot of young people that are struggling at the moment. But often while you're waiting, if you want to, I can meet with people um, while they're sat on that list if you want somewhere else to come and talk. But the counselling team, there's never that long a wait and you can always reach out to them in the meantime to see if you can find out how long you might be waiting for that. And then when you do meet them with them, they're all very lovely, very, very well qualified and really helpful and approachable. Where where do you go for counselling these days? So counsellors and myself are based down in Turf Bungalow, which is next to the dance centre, which is next to Grubby's, behind the sports centre, in a very nice, nice space with nice rooms. Very good, very good. I think it's really important as well to say that we've got a huge amount of support in college for the students here. And one thing I didn't say earlier on is that there are a whole range of external sources of support as well. So if you're struggling, for example, with your mental health and you want some advice, something like the Young Minds website is really important and they've got helplines. 
and there are so even if by just going online and just googling what it is you might need some help for um there could be um, a helpline there and, and they're also up in your houses as well on some posters too so don't be afraid of seeking help from outside of school because often that can give a different perspective mm. as well um, and lastly i'd always say say we've got three quite special things at wellington as well which haven't been mentioned yet we've got coco who is our therapy dog and i know that a lot of young people at wellington have, have had a really positive experience with Coco and so if you'd like to um, have a session with Coco I think Coco actually has her own email address actually is Coco male or female that's a really good question I want to say female I want to say female too let's yeah. say her yeah and then we've also got father Adrian who can also listen and confidentially as well to students and so he can be a really safe space, somebody to go and talk to. And the other thing which um, the pastoral team have been going around houses talking about recently is Whisper. Um, so Whisper is our confidential sort of reporting line, really, where you can go and you can talk to anybody at the end of that. So it's usually myself and Mr Walker about something that might be concerning you, something if you want some confidential help and support on, or just to raise awareness about something. Um, and to reiterate again, it is completely confidential. We have no idea who's at the other end of that message. And often it'll just be one message that's sent, or we might get into a dialogue but that's a, that is a really good safe space to actually share concerns and, and anxieties as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Mrs Lynch. And while we're with you, would you like to introduce your song? My song? Yeah, well, there's a story behind this. So um, I'm just going to say very, you know, make myself vulnerable here. I really struggled during first lockdown because somebody that likes to be really organised and knowing what's happening, um, I really struggled with the whole everything was just totally in chaos and nobody really knew what was happening. Um, and I found myself sort of catapulted into a very different world that I was having to really deal with. But when I look back at that time now, I've just got the most amazing memory of beautiful weather and bouncing up and down on the trampoline with my daughter. And we made a playlist. And the song on that playlist, which has always struck, stuck with me, and the one which, when it comes on the radio, we just bounce around together is Hold My Hand by Jess Glynn. And so I've chosen it because it makes me feel really happy. Standing in a crowded room and I can't see your face. Put your arms around me, tell me everything's okay. In my mind. So our second question that was put to us was, how do you recognise a mental illness? Which is probably a fairly big topic for us to, um, to answer. So I think, I think if we try and sort of shape this a little bit, you know, you're, if you, you, you might be in-house, you might have some good friends and you might be worried about them. And I suppose the thing that we're going to try and explore here is... What things actually should we be looking out for in our friends in order to do what Mrs Lynch sort of talked about? And, you know, when should you go and, um, and maybe seek a, a bit of help and support? And maybe just to start off on that one is, you know, please never feel that you are, you're bothering us or that you're taking up time unnecessarily. If you're, if you're concerned about someone, 
um, even if you can't quite put your finger on what it is that you're concerned about, please do come and talk to someone, whether that's your HM, your AHM, your tutor, one of us or any of the other adults in, in school that's all already been talked about. But what are the sort of things that we should be looking out for? Jenny, I don't know if I can come to you first on that one, as, the, as, as maybe the, the, the mental health expert in the room. What sort of things should, should people be looking out for? I think there's probably a very broad spectrum of things to look out for, but I guess essentially the thing to look out for is if you notice a real change in someone, either in yourself or in, in one of your friends. And I guess being at Wellington, where you're living with people day in and day out, it's it's probably fairly easy in some ways to notice if people are changing. I guess some of the big changes might be if someone becomes very withdrawn, who's normally much more out there and open um, with people, but they, they start withdrawing and isolating from people would be a big sign. Changes in eating behaviours, so if someone starts eating a lot less or also they might start eating a lot more because they're comfort eating. Um, people might not be sleeping so well if they're struggling with their mental health, which might be a bit harder to notice, but I guess if you're in a dorm, you might pick up on some of that. They might also start saying things, mightn't they? They might start dropping things in, and I think we all... We're, we're we're probably all guilty, aren't we, of of saying those those flippant remarks every so often? You know, walking and saying, "Oh, I'm so stressed today," or you know, oh, "I'm feeling really depressed," or whatever it might be. But actually, I I would say, you know, to if, if you're seeing someone who's who's quite often saying these things, not to just sort of brush that away. Actually, it might be, you know, that that is someone trying to to communicate that. Um, with you and they might be asking for for help anything anything from from you Tracy on this one I think the um the important thing to remember is um just to keep an open mind because I know when I was having a bit of a bad time myself in the past what I tended to do was make all these plans with my friends and then at the last minute I would cancel them and let them down and say oh something's come up or one of the kids is ill and I can't come which got them to thinking I couldn't be bothered to go out and I couldn't be bothered to engage with them and I didn't want to see them. And it just took one of my friends to turn around and say, are you actually okay? You keep cancelling on us to open up a discussion about actually, no, I really want to see you, but all this is going on for me. So just being aware that sometimes we can take things the wrong way and we just need to keep open-minded about what's going on for somebody else. And one of the things um, we did a little bit of training with the staff a few years ago was about self-care plans and, and strategies and, actually working out who's got your back. So, you know, have you got somebody that's a really good friend of yours actually having a conversation with them when you feel in a good space saying, you know, if I wasn't in a good space, I think this is how I might come across. Um, very similarly to Tracy, what I tend to do if I'm feeling um, anxious or worried about things is I tend to withdraw from what I really enjoy, particularly social activities and social events. So somebody actually recognising that and noticing can just be what you need in itself to help um, and stepping in and having that conversation. So a really big question for you all to think about today is who's got your back and, and who would look out for you if, if you were struggling, I think. Mm. It's really interesting, that sort of self-knowledge, isn't it, of knowing how you behave in certain scenarios. I know that when I get particularly stressed or anxious, I'll get a much shorter temper. Mm. And actually that can sometimes mean that you're pushing away or I'm pushing away the people who are there to potentially support me 
because I'm getting getting cross with them and I'm unpleasant to be around. And actually, what I'm saying, really, my, uh, by my behaviour, is I need some help. But it's increasingly difficult, I suspect, for people to help me. And I think that's one of the the other things to realise is that what you might see as a change might not be a change that you're particularly happy with, or, or that it might not be that that person is making themselves particularly easy to be a friend of at that at that time. And you know, just to, to actually take a step back and say, well, what is that telling me? And and to be, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt and to be kind with your response to them and and actually say, you know, what is it that, that is making someone behave in that way? And that that leads quite nicely into um, the second song that we go, we've got for you today, which is My Choice. And the song that I've chosen to share with you today is by Frank Turner. Um, and the song is called Be More Kind. And there isn't a big story behind this. It's just a really, really lovely song that I enjoy listening to. And it just the, the whole message of the song speaks to me about how I want to live. And just always recognising that we're not always perfect as human beings. But if we can always try and come at things from a kind perspective, I think the world will be a better place. History's been leaning on me lately I can feel the future breathing down my neck And all the things I thought were true when I was young and you were too turned out to be well, I hope you enjoyed that song, one of my favourite songs ever. He's very good live as well, folks. If you ever get the opportunity to um, to go and watch him in concert, he is excellent and spends most of his life touring. So there's lots of opportunity there. Question number three that was given to us is quite a timely one. The question is, what should we be doing in times of high stress, e.g. the exam season? And as it happens, Jenny has been going around different groups of students in exam year groups and has been giving them some advice on this. So I think it probably makes sense, Jenny, to start with you again, if you can give us some advice on what we should be doing. Thank you, Dave. Yes, yeah, so I think the biggest piece of advice is to look after yourself when you're in high-stress situations like exams. Um, so making sure that you're eating well, you're sleeping, getting enough sleep, doing regular exercise, probably most importantly, maintaining relationships with friends and having that social contact that we know is so important for our positive well-being and mental health. Um, and I guess if, we, if we're thinking about exams specifically, then obviously being prepared for exams, so having revision timetables, uh, revising well, being prepared, all those kind of things, being organised, but also making sure that you take regular breaks and that you reward yourself when you're getting the work done. And as I was saying, be kind to yourself. Uh, and then I guess if you're really, really, really worried and anxious, then using some of those anxiety management techniques. So breathing, doing calm breathing is a really good one. If you look up box breathing on YouTube, there's a couple of videos on there that will show you how to do it. Really, really effective and really simple but really helps to calm down the body when we go into that fight or flight state. Relaxation can be really helpful and mindfulness is a really useful skill, but takes lots of practice. So if you want to do some mindfulness, get something like the Headspace app 
and have a go with that. Really helpful to be able to make us feel like we can have some control over our minds. And when our minds are racing, if you can do some mindfulness, it just helps to calm calm the body down and calm everything down. And then if you've got lots of anxious thoughts going around your head, then trying some challenging of those thoughts. So trying to question those thoughts and rationalise um, or use positive self-talk. So if you're telling yourself you can't do it and it's going to all be a complete disaster, turn that around and say to yourself, I can do it, it will be okay. And using all those kind of things should be helpful. Very good. Is there anything anyone else would add to that? I really like the um, the positive self-talk part of it. And one of the things that I speak with um, my children about is talking to yourself the same way that you would talk to your best friend. So if your best friend was going through this and was hard on themselves about the exams... What would you say to them to make them feel better and reassure them that they were doing really well and then flip that round for yourself because you deserve the same level of compassion for, for you that you're giving them? How true is that? I mean, we are always it's so, so much harder on ourselves than we are on other people, aren't we? Which seems, seems like, like a very uh, odd thing to be, but it's, um, it's human nature and it's really worth noticing that, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I would, the only thing I would say as well, you can have a bit of fun sometimes with it as well. So if you ask the question, and so, so if you think, gosh, I, I'm really bad at, um, I don't know, maths, and I'm going to fail my maths GCSE, ask, and say, and so. You know, I think sometimes schools like ours put such a huge, um, I don't know, a big play on exams and exam results I think it's really important to recognize that we can all reach the same outcomes but we can take really different journeys um you know the four of us sitting in this room now we've had our failures along the way and um we've coped with them we've dealt with them and we are where we are now um and I think we need to remember that we can have those failures and we can learn from them um and it doesn't matter um and I think sometimes that in itself can help lower anxiety levels when you actually realize that maybe what you're thinking about and you put it into perspective isn't that important after all and i think the other thing to to really hold in mind is that anxiety is actually really helpful sometimes so a little bit of anxiety the right amount of anxiety helps us perform better gives us that flight or fight or flight response um i guess that fight response makes our brains more active so some anxiety in the run-up to exam season is really really healthy and really helpful and it's interesting that sort of self-talk as well of if if you can to frame what, what you're about to embark on um in a very positive way so if you can have that self-talk of um exams being a real opportunity you know you've you've been at school for two or three or five years however long it is and you've got the opportunity to show what you can do and as mrs lynch says you know actually the reality is um that uh you know a, a, a small change in in grades here and there you know won't make won't make a big difference to to your life but actually it's a it's an opportunity and and the um uh the chance to sh- to show what you can do so good good luck um with the exams and do try and see it for see them for for what they are and again know that if you are really struggling talking to someone will help about, uh, about that and just to try and uh, sort of voice your concerns or worries is always 90% part of the uh, the solution to them. Mr. Walker, can I just say one thing as well on that? Because there's um, there's a lovely expression that uh, a life coach um, that I listen to every now and again comes up with, and it's everything in your life was supposed to have happened to you. And how do you know that? Because it has. Mm. 
And I think sometimes we, we try and explain away our pasts and almost are embarrassed about them. But actually what we should do is we should look at what's happened to us and see how it's feeding into what we do now and, and how we react to things. And then I think that can help obviously frame your past in a positive perspective as well. Well, got time for now our third musical interlude and I'm very excited about this one because uh, Jenny hasn't told us what she has uh, chosen so I'm I- intrigued to see whether it's some sort of mid-90s drum and bass or whether it's um, Norwegian thrash metal she's claiming it's neither but we're very excited to hear what, what Jenny's uh, chosen tune is I'd love to come out with something truly inspirational now, but <laughs> unfortunately not. Um, so my song is Shine by Years and Years, just because it makes me feel very happy. And when I listen to it, it gives me a good sense of positive well-being, and I like it. Brilliant. I remember us alone, waiting for the light to go. Don't you feel that hunger? I've got so many secrets to show. I saw you on that stage I shivered with the look you gave Don't you hear that rhythm? Can you show me how we can escape? So as that song was um, going on there, we were all saying how disappointed we were that it wasn't Shine by Take That, which uh, I think we'd all agree is a a better version uh, of that song. But uh, there we go. Thank you for that, Jenny. And the last question that was given to us was talking about what um, a description, if you like, of what different mental illnesses really are. And uh, I think this was coming from the point of Again, where, where, where people sort of sometimes slightly flippantly say, oh, I'm so OCD or I'm so depressed. And actually these are, you know, diagnosable mental health conditions. So to actually have a, an understanding, if you like, of what we are really talking about, I think was felt to be um, quite useful. So I wonder if we should start with OCD. I mean, I quite often walk out of the, my front door, get... 50 yards down the road and think have I locked my front door and have to go back and check it but I don't do that every single time I do that sort of once every few weeks so I'll, I'll, I'll think about doing that is that OCD or is that something slightly different I don't I don't know who wants to go first on this one we're all looking at you oh, Jenny. Tell you what, no, well that's our challenge to see if my understanding of it is correct so here's a sort of a, a totally off the cuff my understanding of OCD is when you've got a behaviour which is negatively impacting on your life in some way. So as soon as that starts to happen, then that's when it actually becomes an issue for you. Um, so I don't know, Jenny, is that is that right? Is, is that, or am I being a bit too, I don't know, bland about that? I think that is in part right, yeah. So one of the diagnostic criteria for OCD is that it, it is having... A great impact on your life and having a yeah significant impact and so taking up lots of time causing lots of distress and I guess the example that Dave gave which I myself share in that I occasionally have to check the door particularly if I'm a bit stressed about life but I do not have a diagnosis of OCD and most of the population will have show some of those kinds of behaviours but that isn't OCD it's a bit of a compulsive behaviour but it doesn't have the level of distress that OCD has with it. So to have a diagnosis of OCD, someone has to be experiencing, first of all, obsessions, which are 
thoughts that people are having which are experienced as intrusive and persistent and most importantly cause a great deal of distress and anxiety to that person. So again, there's been some research that says I think it's about 95% of the population will experience intrusive thoughts. Um, so so me, for example, I might be driving down the motorway and I have an intrusive thought about driving into the central reservation yeah, or driving off that. the side yeah. of the road. Yeah. yeah. So probably everyone sat around this table has those kind of thoughts but they don't cause us too much distress. But for someone with OCD, they cause huge amounts of distress. And then the compulsions come in where people develop certain rituals or certain behaviours that they do to try and prevent that scary thing that they're thinking about from happening. Um, and again, lots of the population can show some of those behaviours, like checking doors or, or occasionally hand-washing a bit too much, but that doesn't mean that they have OCD. It's the level of distress and anxiety that goes alongside those things that determine if someone has OCD or not and how much it's impacting on their life. And if, if someone were to have OCD, what would be our recommended sort of the, the, the best way of trying to treat that and help support that person? So the best form of treatment that we know about at the moment is cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT, um, which if you look at NICE guidelines, which are the recommended guidelines for working with any kind of mental health or physical illness, I believe, um, then CBT is the treatment of choice, um, Yeah, which would look at looking at those intrusive thoughts and looking at the compulsive behaviours and, and can be working in a couple of different ways. There's different types of CBT for OCD. What about, what about depression being a sort of second thing where quite often, again, people sort of almost almost throw this around as a, as a phrase that we say, oh, I'm so depressed this week or something like that. You know, actually, how, what, what would it look like if someone was actually had diagnosed depression? How would that um, manifest? I think it's really important to remember and understand that it's okay to be sad and upset is a normal part of life and being upset for a few days doesn't generally mean that you're depressed. Uh, similarly to OCD, it's when that level of sadness or upset or the anxiety starts to intrude on your day and affect your day-to-day -day living. That's when you might want to reach out and seek some help. And it's on a variety of levels. So you've got mild, moderate and severe depression and there are different aspects of it. So you can have your physical symptoms, your psychological symptoms and then the, the social impact. And it's again, the level it's impacting on your life will depend on what sort of treatment you get. Sometimes it's a watchful waiting situation. So if, it, if you're diagnosed with something that's mild, so it's not having a massive impact, you just notice that you're a bit upset and you need to talk through some stuff. You might be given a few weeks to go and do some self-help, use the, the internet and online sources like the Mind website that was mentioned earlier. Or your GP might decide that you, or talk with you about going to do some talking therapies and things like that. Usually treatments don't work on their own. So if um, your depression's affecting you on a moderate to severe basis and um, medication is suggested, that medication on its own will might treat some of the symptoms that you've got, but it's not going to help the underlying issues. So in those situations, it's really, really useful if you can do some sort of combined therapy to have the medication and accessing talking therapies, counsellors, CBT, that kind of thing. And Tracy, thank you for that. I mean, what, what sort of symptoms might we be seeing if, if someone's really struggling with low mood persistently? So some of the psychological symptoms are feeling continually low and sad. Um, you might have a feeling of hopelessness or helplessness. You can feel quite tearful. 
you might feel irritable and grumpy or you might have um, just huge feelings of guilt over something that you're not doing, um, which is a little bit irrational. Um, and also you might have no motivation or interest to do any of the things that you would normally do and you end up staying in your in your room. But some of the physical symptoms can be things like non-specific things like headaches, aches and pains, um, not being able to sleep, off your food a little bit. And then with the social side of things, again, it's like we talked about before, when you start to sort of isolate yourself and withdraw, so you might sort of start cancelling up your, your appointments or going out and staying in your room and isolating yourself, which you think is going to help you in that instant because it relieves that anxiety that you've got about going out, but actually contributes in the long term to the to the depression. Mm. And I guess the, the difficulty with all of that is that it, it paints a picture of people who can't see much hope and can't see much how that is going to change and possibly can't motivate themselves to go and seek help to change. So that's the great challenge. And I guess that's partly why it's important to look out for your, for your friends and your mates and, um, you know, where you, where you see that to just try and help with that process. And again, just to stress again the importance of, you know, coming and seeking support for that from the wonderful range of, of professionals and, and people here that are that, that are so ready and willing to to help and support Wellingtonians. Thank you Tracy and I think probably time we came to your choice of music so over to you to introduce it. So I've chosen Andra Day um, Rise Up because it's a song about hope basically and walking together through the difficult times and rising up again and again and again to keep going and being motivated to get through it. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out. Move mountains, we gon' walk it out and move. Well, I hope you enjoyed that song. And um, the uh, around the table, there's been a discussion uh, whilst that's been going on about where the most local karaoke bar is. So I would be steering clear of that uh, if I were you listening to this in the near future. Anyway, we're uh, coming to an end of our time together. And I would just like to say um, thank you around the table to Tracy and to Jenny and to Mrs Lynch for such a useful and interesting discussion i hope it was useful to you back in house uh, or at home wherever you're listening to this and yeah what a pleasure it is to work with the pastoral team here at, at wellington wonderful people all of whom are here to try and help so please do get to know us as well we always like talking to wellingtonians so do reach out and speak to us if you would like 